don't smoke dope today. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Is it? Uh, uh, this is the uh, this is the last episode of the uh, of yeah. the season. Yeah, dude. If you say season, it makes it sound more uh, official and yeah. intentional. Yeah, intentional. <laughs> like you guys dude. actually had a plan. Yeah, like we yeah. had a plan. Yeah, <laughs> season one, episode fifteen. How are you guys doing? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really good, but I was like, nah, I'm going for it. Terrible, horrible. You ever you ever ask somebody how they're doing, and you're like, oh god, please just say you're doing good. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this is intro. We're trying to get this thing going. <laughs> yeah. Don't be How's honest. It going? Well, man, to be real. Oh, no. All right. How about you, brother? <laughs> Next. <laughs> just totally skip. <laughs> Thanks sort of for like, sharing. <laughs> it's sort of like the end of small group when you're like, you know, you're already, t- it's been going too long already. You're you're yeah. a well over an hour into the yeah. conversation. You're already feeling fatigued as the group leader. And you're like, anybody got any prayer requests? And you're like, I gen- genuinely want to pray. Yeah. I yeah. do. I believe in prayer, but like but, a closing prayer. But also, so I'm very tired. Back to when I was a child, <laughs> <laughs> thirty minutes later, you're like, "All right, cool." Uh, if anybody needs to go before we pray, you're welcome. This is to the go. time, and you stand up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go. Did you just dismiss yourself? <laughs> um, Stephen is our guest. Like you are knowledgeable, you are here because we're not smart. Such a sin. Let's just go ahead and get it out there. We're kind of dumb. No, I don't know that I can add a whole lot of value to the conversation, guys. I'm just, I'm just here to fart around. So, (laughs) yeah. Do y'all regret me coming on yet? No, no, no. I'm excited. We might later, but uh, this episode might not ever get out. (laughs) Hey, that was a lot of fun. Oh, we lost the data. We lost it. I think I used that excuse once before. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys ever, um, you guys ever like troll for real, like troll Mm. posts, like in your own, on your own account? Do you you ever like do like a burner account type thing or what? Ooh, no burner account for me. No burner. Yeah, straight up. If you're gonna say something, it's gonna be Stephen Fozzie. Generally, yeah. 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 I used to troll a lot more. I don't as much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Some would say I matured. I haven't. I just gave up. <laughs> you just gave, we had another I kid. gave up the ghost. Yeah. Yeah. We had a third kid. Yeah, I had a third had kid. Time. Just lost time to troll. But I'm no. looking forward to getting back to it, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, eventually, well, election season's coming. So. Yeah, wait. So I don't, um, but I've I've recently learned this. It's funny that you're asking this. Um, I've recently learned that one of my kids does. Really? Yeah, and <laughs> I had to have a conversation with them because, and I'm not going to give the context because you can go find it, but one uh, <laughs> One of their comments, literally, this is no exaggeration, had thousands of likes. Come on, or hearts, wow. or whatever. What, and, did they uh, say something good? Well, yeah, it was it was taking a biblical stance, and a right, and uh, and it was getting fired back at, and it got pretty interactive in the comments. You know, it's just like, hey, let's decide which hills we want to die on, and, yeah. and is this the one that we're willing to put it out there? So they started trolling them back, also. And like sending them DMs, saying Ooh, stuff DMs. like, "Yeah, that's more than trolling." That's well, stalking. so they, well, that's what it ended up being because they started talking about that person's talking about me. Oh, your dad's just a pastor. Ooh. That blah blah Did blah blah blah. Did he know blah, the blah. person? No. Ooh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's what you got to be careful now. Yeah. yeah. So, 
Well, you also we need gotta... burner accounts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You now, need... me, I welcome some threats now and then because it just gives me an opportunity. <laughs> it wasn't threats. It was just, it was just the the weird yeah. stuff. Like, oh, you're you're saying that because your dad because your dad's this. a pastor. Yeah, yeah. My mm. burner account is not senior pastor Jordan Dakota. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's my burner. Dude, years ago, wow. you remember this? Yeah, dude. We had some buddies. Now, this was in the original days of Facebook. So this dude, was like was awesome. This didn't happen yet. This was the first time. We had some friends who made uh, Facebook pages. Yeah. One was my dad. One was our worship pastor. Yeah. And one was like the youth pastor or yep. whatever. Yeah. Made it as them. They they did, what do they call it, like cloning accounts or whatever? They yeah. basically did that. They got the pictures yep. and all that kind of stuff. And they weren't doing anything wrong with it, but they were just started posting things yeah. as that person, and people thought it was them. And so whenever my dad found out, he was hot. Dude, do you remember the one that made a soundboard with yes. your dad's clip? took sound clips from his messages i'm talking probably 30 of them and he would yeah. call people and it'd be like just the random good. words or ch- sentence structures he would build like little phrases that pastor That's had said so something like that and my it, dad back in the day like his sermons like he said some crazy stuff <laughs> that whole soundboard was off of one sermon I and he had that. that many clips so like one of them first off he said hallelujah 20 times and like four different ways hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. hallelujah. amen yeah. Amen. Like just all that there kind was of a stuff. video, uh, like metal melody or medley of all of those amens, and I remember one of those going around one time where it was like him saying the same thing repetitively. Is that the same thing, or <laughs> no. was that just a separate? Video? I don't know. I don't remember that. You remember that? No. Man, I feel like I saw that. No, this one's separately because I My remember favorite. getting a phone call from Pastor Van. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hit you with that star sixty nine, so it's an unknown number. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite one was was whenever he said uh, in the the clip. My dad's clip was. Don't smoke dope today. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that was the clip. That's funny. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That was good stuff, man. Good times. Yeah. So. so what about you? Do you troll? Uh, I do. Yeah. I do from time to time. I feel it. Yeah, I do from time to time. You'll never know where, but I do. Sometimes yeah. I do it my name. There, there are certain times I wouldn't call it trolling. I would call it honestly just trying to give another perspective to people. So I, I, have, a, I have a little bone to pick with the whole like anti-church movement. Because I think some of it's valid. Like, there's a lot of problems in church, but I think mm-hmm. it's, like, overplayed. So, like, for instance, whenever people say, you know, people po- post a video of, like, a clip that somebody did, like, some sort of, like, a Mother's Day thing. Like, a funny thing for Mother's Day. Yeah. And then, like, these sites will post that clip from that church, and then they'll just ring that church. It's like, this is uh, not the church that yeah. Jesus died for. You know, Paul would write a letter to this church. Yeah. You know? And I'm like... Are you really going to try to discount everything that this church is doing because they had a funny two-minute segment in their yeah. church service that was an hour and 15 minutes long? And you no, – no context the rest of the service, and yeah. it wasn't anything wrong or questionable. It's just like you know, something – a funny song depicting motherhood, and you're going you're gonna to throw the – Paul yeah. would write a letter – letter to like plus you're going to use a clip from eight years ago to do it yeah 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 exactly so when and you get like 400 comments that are going on so i'll just they just keep trying to push that that narrative yeah that's all it is is it's all the narrative and half of them they honestly they they say they say that their little statement like you know i would leave this church and like you know so I, i comment things like you would no really- one would care. <laughs> Leave. <laughs> they would clap as you left. There you go. That's Thank God approach. they're gone. They That's all the- we had to do was a two-minute funny segment. <laughs> exactly. Karen's gone, guys. We did it. Oh, the no, Lord I'm, has answered prayers. I'm more like... Uh, it's best. 
I'm more like I think you I think you would have already left because of lesser reasons yeah. or like yeah. you know uh, I'll just like bring in different examples of like what something that Jesus did you know maybe something that he said that kind of would parallel to that and and like you know man everything is not you know you're just mean like one thing I said is mm. people just people just love to just mock church that's all they just that's where we're at now easy target let's just go ahead and think about this real quick everybody think about this. When's the last time you heard Christianity mocked? Boom. Oh. When's the last time you heard Muslim, Muslims mocked, mainstream? When's the last time you heard any other religion mocked? No, 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 no. In America, at least, Christianity is always mocked. It's always mocked. It's, yeah. And so, so I think for the people to be in the church, to just continue to feed that culture of mocking church, I think it's just kind of like, you know, it's like, Dude, there's there's a good way to there's a good fun hearted way of make I mean, we gotta be able to laugh Absolutely. at yeah. I think it's I think it's funny to laugh at cultures. Like I I think every absolutely. culture has a funny part about it that is like we gotta Including make fun of own. it. Oh, yeah. I was about absolutely. to say we laugh at yeah. church. Yes. Like yep. we're not but saying don't laugh at but church. But not with the intent to yeah. tear this narrative is exactly. is deconstructive. No, for, yeah. you know, that's not yeah. It's not yeah. So anyway, so I'll I'll, I'll I'll troll on those every now and then. I did mention last week in the previous podcast that I was going to be going you did. to the doctor. Yeah, so How we need an update. How Breaking news. Bum, bum, bum. It did not go. Well, it went well, but it also did not go well. So uh, what I thought was wrong with me is wrong with me. Ooh. I Father. have uh, blood sugar problems mm. known as hypoglycemia. That's affirmed? That's like authenticated and stuff? My doctor said it's 95%. Wow, and the reason is is because uh, it's hard to actually test glucose levels um, unless you have like a meter on you or you're pricking yourself, which typically it's, you're like diabetic, you know. So you have to mm-hmm. kind of go that route. But um, but really, what you need to measure is your insulin level to actually know. And so I learned this this past week. What happens is, first off, uh, like it's it's up in the 90th percentile of our of our culture has uh blood sugar issues praise god yeah and most people don't realize it we're stewarding our bodies really well yeah, yeah, yeah. we have terrible it's it's really an epidemic as far as uh diet goes and sugar issues and our foods which of course a lot everybody hears all this but nobody's really understanding the severity of it when you're saying are you talking about americans what are we, the whole, are we really the whole world humanity it's really the okay. whole world but america is where we live and we can see it very clearly but like anything like enriched stuff uh mm-hmm. White bread, like any of that, it's all bad for us, and it all turns to sugar very quickly. All the simple carbs and simple sugars and all that that we consume all the time, it's all bad for us. And so what happens is your body uh, receives a ton of sugar at one time, basically. Uh, This will be my my way of explaining it. Uh, Your body receives a ton of sugar at one time. Your insulin spikes in order to metabolize that sugar, and then uh, you produce, you know, really too much insulin, and then you you metabolize all the sugar really quick and then you're like wee and then all of a sudden you crash so we always joke everybody's like oh it's a sugar crash huh, we're gonna eat all these donuts and then we're gonna crash ha 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 and it's like no what's actually going on is your body is is eating all of that white bread you know and all of that sugar and then you're crashing and then what happens is uh well it opens up a whole nother door to all these other health issues that we're having look Y'all, listen, anxiety and depression and a lot of this stuff that we're, everybody's dealing with, uh, 
there's a large amount of it that's actually linked yeah. back to straight up this right here. It's true. Uh, I was listening to a doctor talk, uh, and she was saying that uh, blood sugar is the, the found, one of the foundational uh, medical, you know, things or topics to know like uh, about your own body. And but but you can't measure like insulin, right? It's hard to measure insulin. Yeah. I don't even know if you can. I, they don't have tools. They don't have meters. That, I don't think so. Not not that are accessible this way. I think there's other ways to measure hormones, but you're talking like major laboratory clinical exactly. level stuff. So, so what, you can't measure it yourself. Yeah. yeah. So what people are measuring their sugar levels, and they're like, my sugar levels are fine. But what they don't know is that their insulin level is like double. Yeah. And so until they come out with insulin meters, everybody's just measuring the glucose. And then if your insulin's been peaked for 10 years – your glucose has been fine. All of a sudden, your glucose starts yep. going up because your pancreas and whatnot, maybe it's not producing enough insulin anymore. It can't keep up. And then all of a sudden, your glucose starts going up. And everybody's like, ah, now we got to start, what, taking medicine. And then we start mm. taking medicine. So we're not fixing the problem by eating a better diet. So I'm 38. I start trying to work out, and I start hitting a wall over and over and over. And it's like, like I'm like, is something wrong with me? You know, is, is there's... And does everybody else feel like this or is it <laughs> just me? And but if I wasn't trying to exercise and do more and push yep. myself forward, I wouldn't know that I have an issue. But because I'm trying to excel and I'm trying to get more in shape, I'm hitting these barriers yep. because my body can't keep up because of what I'm fueling it with. Right. I think that what we're talking about is one of the reasons that people have so many issues in their lives. One of I'm not saying it's like the only but if we're honest we 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 all do know the types of chemicals that we're ingesting yeah. the the low quality food we're ingesting and how it affects us and what happens is we then begin to over spiritualize these very basic physical things that are taking place and we over spiritualize things so man I'm praying against depression I'm praying I get delivered of this and it's like yes but also you eat like trash all day yeah. and so all the chemicals in your body are all off. You know, your organs aren't operating right. And it, it honestly, you can't pray that away. Like, you're not going to pray away eating <laughs> 150 grams of just straight up enriched sugar or whatever, yeah. you know, uh, added sugars all the day. It, it, so, anyway, I, I, I think it's actually a big deal. I'm learning a lot right now for myself, but I'm also expanding that to, to seeing all the restaurants and all the, hey, you go to the grocery store, what do you buy? anything you know it's mm -hmm. it's all it's all bad stuff and i'm like dude well last thing i've looked back in my life for the last five to ten years and there's been a lot of times where i've been i've been depressed i've been anxious i've been uh tired i've been uh fog you know brain fog mm -hmm. i've had all these things and i'm looking at it i'm like what percentage of that was straight up me being I don't want to say malnutrition, but just improperly nutrition sure. you know, at the very yeah. least. And like, how has it affected my relationships? Like how many times did I pop off in a moment that then I had to go ask forgiveness about or whatever. And it was like, not that I'm not justifying it or, or making an excuse because of food. I'm just, yeah. It's still wrong. It's still it's sin. <laughs> don't get me wrong on that. But it's like, if I would have been better nutritioned and, and my body, I would have probably handled that a whole lot more like Jesus but I did. I couldn't. I didn't because I was so in this fight, flight, or freeze potentially, like yep. adrenaline stuff yeah. going on. There's just so many things. And it's like, dude, it's, it's anyway. 
Episode 15, I love it. My health update there. Dude, I love it. That's crazy. There it is. Have we gotten any emails? Has anybody actually asked any questions? Yeah, we do have a question uh, that Mm. came in through the email a couple weeks ago. Um, Here we go. It says, what are your thoughts on Molinism and the idea of middle knowledge? Ah, yes. The old middle knowledge question. Mm. Can can we call Brenton here? I'd rather not be here. (laughs) (laughs) Where's my systematic theology book at? Uh, Yeah, there needs to be some definition on that. Yeah, so that was the first thing I did when I saw that question was hit up Google. It's like, what does this question mean? Yeah, I I would say the vast majority of people have never heard of that. Yep. It's the purgatory. Between, <laughs> it's the purgatory of the... It's between Arminianism and Calvinism. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, Arminianism, Ar- Arminianism and Calvinism are the two... Uh, that's that's typically what most people have heard of, and some, some degree would be those. And so let's preface this whole conversation with, with one thing I think is always important to say. I don't think that there is a right and wrong in this conversation, me personally. Um, whenever there's been debate about something in you know, Christianity, and uh, there's been just a plethora of really, really, you know, wonderful theologians uh, who have been parsing through something for many, many, you know, generations, and there has been no, uh, you know, conclusion uh, that says, okay, this is heresy, this is not based upon these scriptures. For, for what I mean by that is like, the, you know, the atonement. Okay, if you throw atonement out, you have a problem, you know, yeah. and there might be a spectrum in what atonement means but it's still like jesus blood mm-hmm. was the remission of sin like you know he, he had we're not going to do away with that yeah yep. that's a that's a boundary yeah yeah some mm-hmm. people might not be into like substitutionary atonement and think there there might be a little spectrum there you know okay but but most of those are like he's yes jesus his death was the payment of sin and he that brought victory for uh for us and so there's still a gospel centeredness in that yeah you know but then there's there's conversations um like this where i personally believe that wherever you find yourself on this spectrum that i don't believe that you are in christ or out of christ some people may disagree with that i i don't so anyway but also it's not like we're going to make some sort of statement that's going to clarify this and bring some sort of um resolution to this conversation this conversation precedes us and it will be around till jesus comes back so just so we there will be that's a heck of a disclaimer today was that so so we're not going to solve the debate between (laughs) arminianism and calvinism i agree to the the terms of acknowledgement everybody good with that okay Okay. what are we even doing this for yeah exactly (laughs) so you've got you know if you got calvinism and arminianism then in between you've got um You've got Molinism. So let me just kind of throw some things out here. Calvinism, this is all about like soteriology, like how, how we are saved, and also has to do with God's sovereignty or free will, and, mm-hmm. and where's the line at in that. And so, uh, again, let me just, I'll read a few, a few points here. Calvinism believes uh, God has sovereignly chosen who will be saved and who will be damned, that salvation is not a matter of human choice, but is entirely dependent on God's grace. Calvinism is about uh, how all people are born with a sinful nature and are therefore unable to save themselves. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the elect, but not for the sins of the reprobate, those who are far from God. Uh, Calvinism is uh, uh, says only those who are chosen by God will be saved. So if you've heard like predestination and stuff, that's where more would be a, a Calvinistic approach, uh, meaning, again, you're predestined from the foundations of the world to 
be in Christ or not in Christ, and, and uh, God is in control of that, and you are not. So, you know, you're kind of over here. And, and of course, that could play out even in regards to, like, sovereignty, uh, how things play out in life. Right. Um, is God in control of every single little moment? And, and then, then you've got the other end of the spectrum with uh, Arminianism, where uh, God desires for all people to be saved. It's his will that none perish. All have life, right? Salvation is a matter of human choice, but God's grace is necessary for salvation. So that's a little bit different than salvation is not a matter of human choice yeah. and is entirely dependent on God's grace. So there's a there's a there's a big spread there. One uh, Arminianism says we have a free will choice of whether to love God and follow him or not. And this one over here says uh, it's not a matter of human choice. It's basically God has either chosen you or not, you know. Um again, this is a spectrum here, but mm-hmm. uh Arminianism, people are born with a simple nature, but they are also capable of making free choices, so they can make good choices or, you know, whatnot. Uh, The next one that Arminianism says, Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the whole world, and his atonement is available to all people. So that would kind of be speaking to limited atonement, which is one of the uh, points of Calvinism. Um, And Arminianism is seeing it from a different angle there. Uh, and then Arminianism says salvation is a gift from God, but it is also a choice that people must make, which is kind of what we were just talking about. So does that kind of make sense? Those, mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe to a certain extent. No, that's some good parameters yeah. of. Yep. Th- those are over here. Now, Molinism, that God has sovereignly chosen to save those who would freely choose to believe in him. Both and. He's, he's sovereignly chosen to save those who would freely choose to believe in him. So he knows the free will choice of man, and so he's sovereignly chosen to save them. That salvation is a matter of human choice, but God's grace is necessary for people to make the right choice. Right? So we're, we're having some combinations here. Uh, uh, Molinism says that people are born with a simple nature, but they are also capable of making free choices. So simple nature uh, it was kind of more of a Calvinistic thing uh, in, in, in regards to these uh, summaries, but that... Uh, 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 that they are capable of making free choices. That was listed in the Arminianism, right? So there's kind of a both and there. It's not like we are not capable of making free choices to love and follow God, uh, you know, as Calvinism might lean towards. At right. least some would. Yeah. Um, next, when Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the whole world and his atonement is available to all people. So that's more of an Arminianism, uh, Arminianist approach. And then uh, that God knows in advance how people will freely choose, and he chooses to save those who he knows will freely choose to believe in him, which is kind of like a restatement of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you, you kind of have these three things. You have these two, I'll, I'll say extremes just for, as far as this spectrum goes, not saying that they're negatively extreme, but if, if we're talking about a spectrum, Calvinism, Molinism, Arminianism. And this right here, is again that's the big this is the big deal like because whenever you start playing out free mm-hmm. will and sovereignty it's like well where is god's part where's our part when i got saved was it jordan that made that decision like did i choose god or did god choose me mm. so if you ever sing in a song and it says uh i found jesus come on the delirious song that we all sang mm-hmm. many years ago i found jesus a Calvinist is not going to sing that. It's true. <laughs> that's a very Arminian uh, <laughs> song. You know, it's, that has a completely different approach. Yeah. It's, you know, if anything, if you're going to sing it like a Calvinist, it's God found me, <laughs> you know, yeah. or whatever. But it's, you know, Jesus left, I mean, the, 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 the shepherd left the 99 to go find the one that mm-hmm. the, the sheep did not find, right? So that you have yep. that perspective. 
But then you also have this other idea of, you know, this this feels like we we do have a choice. We have a part to play based upon what we've already said. What things did you guys hear? Agree, disagree with thoughts? Yeah, I would say I definitely lean more towards the free will. Like we have the we choose God, okay, or, or not. Like we're born sinful. I agree with that. But at some point, I think we have the ability to choose God. And I guess part of that for me is like it's difficult to imagine a world where we don't, where it's all predestined. It's like, well, what's the point? At that point, what's the point of creating humans and creating that whole aspect you had in the garden garden of relationship if you're just going to create a bunch of them and say they're damned from the beginning? Like that's that's tough for me to to go along with. So. so does it does it change your thought if if when we include the scripture that say stuff like the Holy Spirit draws mankind to Himself? Like, okay, you chose him, but the Holy Spirit was drawing you or drawing me. Is that does that play in? How does that play into that? Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think God can definitely pull you and draw you and all that stuff. But I think for God to just determine that we're all damned from the beginning, or some are, it's like, well, at that point, the Holy Spirit's not drawing those people. So the Holy Spirit okay. only draws some people or all people okay. or no people. And I think he draws, he can draw all people. You know, just in relationship to what you're saying, I think I think you're touching on one of the biggest um critiques of the Calvinist view, which okay. is, man, for God to choose yeah. to choose this person but not that person and the consequence is eternal damnation, that's really hard to swallow, right? Now, I, I don't want to go all the way in here, but at the same time, I'm going to for just a second, yep. but give me a, a second to, to tell you why afterwards. In, in Romans chapter 9, um, I'm reminded of this. It, Paul writes in regards to um, choosing vessels for destruction. Uh, <laughs> and one of the things he says, I think it's down in like verse 20, 22. Let me see. Yeah, let's go. He says, yeah, 22. Chapter 9, verse 22, he says, What if God, right. desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? In order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, et cetera, et cetera. And that whole chapter is really based on that framework. So, right. so the, one, one of the things I just want to identify real quick, just from that chapter, we don't necessarily see Paul saying, this nope. is the doctrine that we are teaching. He's right. just simply saying, what if this was yeah, true? Consider are, this. Are, are, are you willing to accept that God's sovereign hand might choose that? And, and, right. and if so, are you going to be so proud to say that God can't do what he wants to do? Right. Now, you know, that leaves the question beyond that, like, okay, well, did he though? Is that what he's done? That's mm -hmm. another conversation. But the the one thing I want to say is the fact that you have that question, which is, would God really do that? A lot of people have that question. Yeah. And this is a complicated topic. Mm -hmm. And so when I man, the, the first year of my salvation, um, I was just dude, just eating up the word, I had so many questions and, and kept having questions because you encounter things in the world where you're like, what in the world does this mean? <laughs> and I stumbled across this scripture as uh, Proverbs 25. It said, it's to the glory of God to conceal a matter, but to the honor of kings to search that matter out. And so one of the things I love about this conversation, conversation. It's a conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there it is. One of the things I love about this conversation is that um, while we might not draw conclusions, it's still to the honor of kings to seek out that which God has concealed, and he yeah. desires us to do that. And so just the, the, the asking the questions and going on the journey of discovery, I think, is an important part of all of our journeys. And so I would say that. I think, I think, it's a, I think you're right. It is, yep. it is one of the biggest things. It's one of the biggest things that I struggle with uh, 
there, there was a time that I didn't know what I was, and then, then there was a time where I felt like I knew what I was, if we were talking about this, and there's now I'm back where I'm, like, I go, I vacillate a lot, honestly. Um, also, I don't think that I have to wear a label. Yeah. Like, I, I don't have to be any of these right. isms, right? Yep. Um, I also, and I'll say this, and this would be probably not acceptable to some people. I, I think to a certain extent, there is a line in this conversation where it really becomes a philosophical conversation rather than a theological one. And it's, yep. it's about trying to apply a, a train of thought or a, a logical pattern to God of like how God, oper- well, if God does this, then he does this, then he does this. Yep. And I'm like, are we just applying philosophy to what's a spiritual formalist, uh, uh, mystery yeah. like you're is god has certain things concealed to where we're not like we can't actually give a good example in many ways to like the trinity or or the other things we struggle to define certain things and it's like and people would say until i can define that then i can't believe in that or i can't trust that you know so if i can't figure out god and why he would do something or not do something now i can't trust that and it's it's like this human philosophy that tries to it's another way of putting God in a box. Definitely. And so whenever you say uh, vessels of destruction, that's that's always where my mind goes. And I I had to personally go there uh, a few years ago and surrender to that. And part of it, I would I had already gone through that to a certain extent, but whenever we taught through Romans and we had to teach through mm-hmm. that scripture, it was another level of submission in my heart of God, if you do something that I can't stand (laughs) yeah i trust in your character and your attributes of who who you are to trump what i think you are and what i think you should be so i i think there's a part of this conversation that crucifies that what that what do i think god can or can't do part of us and we have to break in that point it's beautiful in order to even be open to what god would decide what if something happens in my life in the next few days that's ultra damaging to the rest the rest of my physical life yep it it alters the course of i'm going to have to submit and surrender to some point yeah that this passed through the hands of god and it he okayed it if you if you want to put it that way and can i submit to that i think i think the way that you brought that is, is it comes down to you said the character of god you know, can I truly trust the character of God or who he is, which which goes into the discovering who he is um, that comes through the word and just comes through growing in that. But it's only tested when the what ifs come. I mean, faith isn't faith until, faith until it's tested. But, man, we don't know until the what ifs come. And that's where we are confronted with like the what ifs aren't on this moment right here where we're talking about Molinism. Like this is philosophical. This is uh, talking around this topic, but then it's when the circumstance comes to us or a family member or somebody close that our faith is challenged, our understanding and our dependency on the character of who God is or we believe him to be or who we wish that he would be. Right. So with that precedent, you can then begin to say, okay, well, let's explore all these hard things. Right. Let's explore the extremes of Calvinism and the extremes of Arminianism. And, and does Molinism offer a reasonable both end kind of, you know, midway solution? Like, cause, cause now whatever, whatever we find in that journey, we've already decided whatever the Lord has for us. Yeah. I'm cool. 
Absolutely, well, like, like no. even the does who mm. does God draw, yeah. right? Well, yeah. Jesus said in um, John, what is this? John six forty four. Uh, no one can verse forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, um, I think Jesus says something there that I lean to, which is that nobody comes to God unless God draws them. Um, now, I guess the question would be: Is God drawing everyone? I I, I believe that the Holy Spirit draws people. So, because this is why, because. If I think that I'm drawing people, like let's just talk about when I preach. Oh, okay. I think that I've like it's me that caused that person to get saved because of my eloquent speech or because I, I, I did it, and I'm like, I'm not taking that much glory. Absolutely, yeah. I'm never going to take that glory. So for me, there there comes a point where it's like I believe that both to give God glory for every single conversion that takes place, but also to make sure that I don't accidentally begin to think that I had something to do with it. Yep. God used me. Yeah. But if he would, if he was going to carry out his will with that person, and that he used me, but if I would have said no, he would have used somebody else. Yeah. Like that's just for me. That's where I land on it, and some of it has to do with my own spiritual maturity and uh, staying away from spiritual pride. Right. Well, that you're you're, you're kind of touching on uh, uncondi- or con- unconditional election, so right. which is the second part of the Calvinistic tulip, right? Mm-hmm. Unconditional election, and so the Arminians generally adhere to something called conditional election. There, there's there's uh, alignment, a lot of alignment actually, just slight nuance. Correct. And so um, the nuance of unconditional uh, election is is man god's doing all the drawing and and whoever he draws there's no conditions that he can change that that man can change in order to stop god from drawing him but conditional election would suggest that based on your decisions based on your behavior based on your etc etc there's a condition on whether or not you are elect and so so you 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 can start with asking hey first off do i believe god is going to conditionally elect choose save in other words, or unconditionally. You, that's one question I'm going to ask around that contrast. But like, I got to look at some scriptures. I mean, the, the quintessential is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten right. son. Right? You got other scriptures. You got uh, uh, Acts 2. Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. First um, Timothy 2. Who desires God, all people to be saved, all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So, right. so like from an, a, a conditional election perspective, there, there seems to be this offer in the scripture uh, to all people, yet there also seems to be this, uh, this fact that God is unconditionally drawing specific people. Right. And so there's this tension. And, and both sides, Arminian and our, uh, Calvinist, present this tension like use scriptures in the bible and they're like i'm scriptural and they're like no i'm scriptural and yeah i'm no i'm like well i think you both are right but we're so married to this one-dimensional view of what the scripture is saying that we're ignoring other parts of the scripture and yep. so it's kind of hard to hold that intention because like, like we can't understand both how both of those yeah. work out how do both of those work out and that's it, where I, that's where i think about trying to put god in a box um yep. in regards to even sovereignty free will or whatever it's like if i can't understand how god would do that then it, it can't be true it's like well if i can't understand how those two things can be true at the same time then it yeah. must not be true it's right. one or the other and it's like well you do realize that we are finite beings who are we're pretty dumb yeah. overall when it comes down to it 
and there's a lot of things we don't know. We can't even figure out where we come from in regards to science. And you know, there's a whole lot of things we hmm. don't know. And so we're trying to put in this, you know, all these things together and make it all super cohesive and like clean cut. It's like, well, I don't know that it's that way. You know, you said the five like points to be tidy. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, you said five points of Calvinism. And I think it's important to know that there's five points of Calvinism and and Arminianism. You know, so the first one is uh, Arminianism. The first point would be free will or human ability, and the first point of Calvinism is total inability or total depravity. So you're saying, you know, and it's like, oh, it's either the the Arminians do acknowledge an original sin that's yeah. like total depravity, but they also believe in the most extreme Arminians. Uh, they believe that you can, by choice and through work, be perfected. Uh, in a way that negates the actual doctrine of Calvinistic total depravity, which is you can do nothing good in and Correct. of itself. And so it's, it's it nuanced, feeling, similar but nuanced. It starts yeah. feeling potentially like works-based Christianity, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, even almost like karma to a certain extent, depending on what you're talking about. Yeah. And yeah, so like for me, I definitely lean away from that type yep. of, you know, so I lean towards... We're born in sin. It's bad. Not that somebody who's an Arminian would not be- say that or believe that, mm-hmm. you know. But again, a spectrum here. Uh, number two is conditional election versus unconditional election, uh, and then there is universal redemption or general atonement, and then limited atonement. And that's uh, basically: Did Jesus die for everyone, or did he only die for those that have been predestined, or you know, the the elect, those who have been predestined to? Uh, to, to believe in Jesus, follow Jesus, and, and ultimately spend eternity in, you know, with God. Uh, number four is that the Holy Spirit can be effectually resisted. And number four is that there's, it's, it's about irresistible grace or the uh, efficacious call of the Spirit. That would be the bigger way of saying that. And uh, so you know, on, on the one hand, you have the, the Spirit calls inwardly in regards to the Holy Spirit can effectually be, be effectually resisted from the Arminian standpoint. Uh, is that the Spirit calls inwardly all those who are called outwardly by the gospel invitation. He does all that when he can, um, he does all that he can to bring every sinner to salvation, but in as much as man is free, he can successfully resist the Spirit's call. So you can kind of see where that's that's leaning. Whereas irresistible grace is in addition to the outward general call to salvation, which is made to everyone who hears the gospel, the Holy Spirit extends to the elect a special inward call that inevitably brings them to salvation. The external call, which is made to all without distinction, can be resistant and often is uh, rejected, whereas the internal call, which is made only to the elect, cannot be rejected. You know, so it's different ways of Hmm. this. The result ends up being the same yeah it's the route in which it got there that yep. that would be looked at as different well so we would be talking about you guys are probably familiar with this the the uh monergism which is the mono meaning singular uh effectual call in other words god instigates by himself a call on a person's life and actually gives the person the faith to believe and because he chose them chose that person uh through you know unconditional election, that person's going to say yes, right? So that's monergism. I think that's a little extreme in monergism. I think you can right. actually have monergism without that last part. Yeah. But then there's synergism and and, and this starts to, you know, get sketchy. And yeah. and this is why we have to sort of parse these yep. things out. Uh, because an Arminian view is at its extreme, its most traditional view is is synergistic, which is I have something to do with my salvation. Yep. 
which means there's something I can do in and of myself. I can do some sort of work, whether mm-hmm. it's a yes, whether it's um, a um, uh, some something good, a good deed, it's whatever that is actually producing salvation. And so, you know, that, that synergism, what, what the, the Calvinist would say is, well, you're stealing not only glory from God, mm-hmm. you're suggesting that he's not sovereign, and you're suggesting that you have a say in your salvation. And obviously, we would say, well, I, I heard you say a yes is part of my synergism. Well, that would be an extreme view, like that yes, because I think you could still say yes and still be in the monergism crowd. Yeah, right. You don't. Where does the yes yeah, come in? So, so that, that <laughs> yeah, comes right. down to those boundaries. And so the reason I love the question is because this person has obviously wrestled with some of these things and they're looking mm-hmm. for like, where am I in this? Yep. And you actually, everybody's probably wondering like, why are these guys talking about Calvinism <laughs> and Arminianism? The dude asked about monergism. Well, monergism. Uh, Molinism. Molinism. Yeah, yeah. Mo- yeah, yeah. Molinism. Molinism was a response yeah. to the Re- Reformation where these two guys with slightly semi you know aligned yet nuanced views were reforming the church and this catholic's like well i hear what you're saying but there's got to be something in between there's got to be something there that allows these two you know to be to 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 have bridges between them and and so the effort is is where's the both end again logically people's brains work different and then you read certain scriptures and it leads you down a certain path and so if you're like, God, if you've made, some people would say, God, if he made me, first off, if God is sovereign enough to make me, force me to love him, then I don't love him just because of that. Then if God is over everything and we see all this horrible stuff happen and that's his will to be done as those horrible right. things, then I can't worship a God like that. Mm-hmm. And so people have to go the other route, which is more of the, the other route of, you know, hey, we're broken in sin and all the things that we see happen are a result of sin. It's not God decreeing those things to take place. That wouldn't be considered his perfect will his perfect will is to bring about redemption to mankind and restoration his perfect will is not that like we would go through suffering and pain well but suffering and pain is a tool of sanctification it is you know and many times i mean so jesus says not my will but your will be done jesus god's will was that jesus would suffer for the redemption of mankind yep his disciples couldn't see that you know, we see yeah. that with clarity because we're in 2023. Yeah. yeah. But so you could kind of. So so know. what you're you're talking about then is are we okay with God knowing, not just willing, but knowing, predestining, knowing and predestining, right? Yeah. That we're, we're going to experience all of the things that we experience. Uh, are we okay with that? Uh, did he sovereignly uh, determine that? like yeah. determinism or right. do it does our free will have any implication yeah. in there so you have uh the mm. the molinist has a few different knowledges there's there's three knowledges that they're thinking about there's necessary knowledge free knowledge and then the middle knowledge in between right so the necessary knowledge is you exist and god is who he is and you are made in his image and there's maybe some other nuances that you know whatever here's a table necessary knowledge you have free knowledge, which is, man, there's, there's things that are going to be, that are going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Uh, again, this is a Molinist and, and I'm not necessarily determining those things to happen. So you like free or, uh, you said a uh, perfect and permissive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, so, so it's just an awareness of things that will happen, right. could happen. Yeah. And okay. then you, and then you have this middle knowledge. So, so this middle knowledge, what is it? 
and is it valid in the conversation? And so middle knowledge, from my understanding, is essentially so. So let's say uh, I heard this. I heard this illustration one time. Uh, let's say you've got a pie. So that's necessary knowledge. There's a pie. Uh, free knowledge is hey, you're going to eat that pie, or somebody's going to eat that pie. Okay. Middle knowledge is you've got the pie, and you or someone are going to eat the pie, and that someone is making their way through the house, and that pie is sitting on the counter. And now you, knowing that there's a pie and yeah. knowing that someone's going to eat it, have the knowledge in advance, the foreknowledge, to change the circumstances to either cause that pie to be more readily accessible to be eaten or less readily accessible. So you put it on top of the fridge, right? Because you don't want nobody to eat your pie. Right. Well, well, this this middle knowledge, you know, this the, the idea, like, let's just talk about salvation, right? So, and I haven't thought all the way through this kind of bridge from the illustration, but... God knows there's a person. God knows he wants that person to be saved. If all people, then it's all people. If it's a select elect, then it's a select elect, whichever. I'm not going to get into yeah. that right now, but there's a people that are going to be saved and there's a person. In between, there's circumstances. And the way that the Molinist seems to talk about it is like no matter what world you find yourself in and no matter what circumstances happen, God's allowing you the free will to make decisions to hide the pie here or hide the pie there. Or hide, but the outcome is going to be the same because it's not outside of his scope and will because he is sovereign. Right. And so so this middle knowledge is like, man, you've got you've got room to run. But the way that the way that like just reality works is based on the 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 outcomes and the situation or the situations the outcome is still generally going to align with the intended outcome it's sort of like how we talked about the other day about prayer so we we said you know hey we let, let's picture google maps in our head and we're at you know you know whenever you pull up google maps it's like your location you have the blinking blue dot it's where you are and then you've got uh you know you've got this this thing that you're you got this, uh, God has a, has a destination for your life or whatever the, you know, his perfect will for your life is here. And obviously the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So for us, we want the shortest distance yeah. to get from where we are to what God has for us, what he wants to produce in us, uh, character, you know, godly character, ultimately to be with him, uh, you know, union with God. We, 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 we want, we want what God wants for us because we know it's the best thing for us. Right. Yeah. And so for us, we picture that being a straight line, just everything smooth, and that's the best line, right? But, but we, it's never a straight line to get somewhere. There's always turns. And right. so we may be headed a certain direction in our life, and then there's a blockade. There's a, there's a wreck, right? And sometimes you can redirect around that wreck to still get to that destination. Mm -hmm. yep. And other times you're stuck on a bridge yep. and the only way to get to that destination is through that hard place. Mm -hmm. And when we pray, you know, think about it. We can see that wreck coming and we're like, God, you know, give me wisdom to get around this wreck. And yep. every now and then, whether we know it or don't know it, because sometimes we don't know when God redirects sure. us around right. that wreck. We, we're not even aware of it. Yep. He saved us. He, he, he protected us through a situation. We don't even know. Right. But, but we, we, he redirects us. And so we follow around. There's other times we're stuck on a bridge and God's like, yep. the only way for, for me to accomplish my will in your life is for you to go through this hard place. And it's like, it takes longer. It's more difficult. But we don't have the knowledge to know which way is yeah. the best way. We don't know what God's producing yep. in us whenever we're going through that hard thing. 
And whenever we begin to shake our fists at God because he didn't redirect our, 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 you know, our, our um, journey around that hard place, it's like, God, why did you do that? But we have, we, we're not looking at it from 30,000 yeah. foot up. We're in it. And that's whenever we're putting our place, ourselves in God's place, right. right? So I see that in kind of what you're talking about. God knows what his will is, his perfect yep. will, and it's going to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. And nobody can mess with that. Yep. So I, I shared something on Facebook a couple weeks ago about the Israelites. They are, uh, they're going to battle uh, against the, uh, the tribe of Benjamin. And they pray. God says, yes, go. They go. They fight the first day. They lose like 30,000 people or 10,000 people die. The next day it was like 30,000 or something like that. It was just, a lot of men died two days in a row. They go the third day because every time they prayed and God said, yes, go, they go again. They start losing men again, and then everything changed. They end up winning the battle. Well, God said go <laughs> the yeah. battle, and you'd think that's the straight line. Point A to point B, that's going to be a straight line. No difficulty. We're in God's will, right? Yep. They were in God's will, and people still died. A lot of people. Look at Job. Job. Uh, I mean, yep. he, he gave Job over to be tested, to, mm-hmm. to experience great suffering. Um, man, we have to look at those examples in the text and say, yeah. okay, God allows suffering. Why? Well, sanctification, like you said, glorification of him, because we do look to him and, and we do, you know, ultimately cry out to him. Yeah. Uh, he's glorified in our pain. Uh, but it's still a hard question, though. Right. It's still, and, 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 and then if you were to zoom out even further, it's like, well, did God create the evil that caused the pain? Right. right? And people are asking that question, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so, like, we have this problem with this sovereign God. Here's the, uh, the part of that conversation. Did God create the evil? Well, God created, God created angels, right? Obviously, angels have some sort of free will mechanism, right? Yeah. Or did God create Lucifer and the third of the angels to rebel against him? As vessels of destruction. Right. For <laughs> for his glory. Like, like if you go all the way back there, then you might have that argument. I, I would say, well, I, I believe that he created even those beings with some mechanism of free will, as far as we would put it, to give them the ability to, in a perfect, optimal setting, mm. to still reject him. Because... Even for angels to worship God as holy and, and love, loving, to, to, to have that actual relationship, there had to be some sort of personal response to the glory of God and to the goodness of God from, from them as, as beings to truly worship him. And we have that same mechanism in us, you know? Now, again, this is stuff that I think about a lot. I'm not like... I don't feel like I'm a, an authoritative voice in this. You know what I'm saying? I believe yeah. the word is, and that's why we're all talking about it. What does the word say about these things? But I can't help but think, like you just said, go to the text. Think about all these other yeah. these, these stories and begin to say, well, okay, the angels did this, and, and men do this, and did God create evil? Did, you know, it, it goes there very quickly, and I think it all goes back to questioning the nature of God. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I can't question the nature of God. What if? Yeah. Even if. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. When I hear this, this conversation come up, it's always around who's saved or not, uh, and then why does there bad things that happen in this life and not? It, it, yeah. It's around suffering and salvation. Well, I, I think about, and this might not even get on the episode, but continuing the conversation, I'm thinking about this situation that the family's walking through connected to our church right now, where a young man that lived a life of abuse um, 
uh, just addiction for six, seven years, um, finds himself in a spot where for whatever reason, I mean, he, he, he made the decision to, to get clean. He begins the journey of being clean uh, for almost a week, and for whatever reason, it just happens to be on a calendar where Mother's Day is coming up, and he has the idea, we've got to go to church, Mother's Day. Mom brings him to church. They go to church together, and uh, that moment, uh, that moment in the message, you know, where he responds to whatever God's doing inside of him. He he responds to that through salvation. Was it godly? I, you know, yes. No. What happened? But I know that God did something in him, and he responded. We had a conversation afterwards, and then for the next four days, his life was a marked difference, according to his mother fruits of repentance like literally she said he is a different person and four days after he has this moment with god his life ends and you look back and you think what in the world and a lot of questions a lot of questions we have to look at the character of god that says things like okay god is kind god is gracious and in if God truly exists completely out of the realm of time and knows all things and how things are going to happen, what an incredible act of grace, of love. What an incredible display of his character to say, even though this is coming, I'm going to draw mankind to myself one more time. Mm-hmm. And the character of God echoes throughout eternity now at this point that says, I love people. I love people. Bad things happen, but I love people and I care for people. Like that's, that's the story I keep thinking about. It's so rich. And, but that takes, that takes spiritual eyes. That takes a dependence on the character of God. And that's when, okay, what if is here? Well, it's what, it's one of the reasons why I think, I think the conversation is helpful in a lot of senses, especially for, for people who maybe haven't fleshed some of these things out and gotten to a place of resolution. Like what if that happens in my Mm -hmm. life? Am I, can I, can can I reconcile that with my faith and say, yeah. hey, God still loves me. Yeah. Can, can I still trust that promise? And I think, um, you know, in one sense, God imparts grace to those people who are walking through things, whether they sorted through this stuff or not. Yeah. So, you know, we definitely want to, you true. know, we don't want to suggest that you got to go through this process in order to uh, <laughs> attain some level of faith that'll see you through a hardship. But at the same time, you know, if, if you do clear out some of those objections to the hardship of life and, and you deal with some of that stuff up front uh, before those crises come. Um, I do, I do, I do think at, at least for me, it's, 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 it's built my faith. Um, right. It's helped me believe more. Yeah. I think the whole conversation starts kind of with that end of like, regardless of if the, what if comes like my faith is going to remain in Jesus and they're working out the logic part of Calvinist or Arminianism. Like, I think that should be the secondary thing where you work through it. You still need to work through it. But at the end of the day, you need to know, regardless of what conclusion I come to with philosophy, like my faith in God remains strong. Yeah. And I think a lot of people probably approach it backwards, and that's where you end up really confused, and you don't have that foundation. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's setting the foundation first, and then going into the, not that the conversation is not important, but going into the more nuanced parts of, okay, how does this thing actually work? Yeah, It's this journey that you're on, learning to trust God as you abide in Christ, and discover what he says of himself, what he says of you, what he says of life, 
uh, and, and trying to walk by the spirit and holding these things in tension. Cause inevitably you're going to reach impasses where you're like, I don't know how to reconcile these things cause it's beyond me. Yeah. Cause his ways are above higher above me than the heavens are above the earth. And yeah. I gotta be okay with that. Got you to. Know? The last thing I'll say is this. Somebody said one time, the word of God is like a, I don't know if they said prism or like a diamond or like a, a rough cut diamond where, you know, you hold it to the light and every time that you turn it, it, you see something different. You see a different mm-hmm. shape. You see something, a, a, something that you didn't see before, yeah. and it doesn't mean that what you saw before was the only way. It was it was yeah. a different way, but it's this still the same change. diamond. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's still what it is. I listened to a pastor. Um, he was interviewed by uh, Elisa Childers, which a lot of people know her, and uh, he was sharing about about Calvinism and Arminianism and uh, Molinism and all this kind of stuff and his journey in this. I believe he was raised up in a, um, yeah, he was like raised up in a church that was uh, taught Calvinism. And so he was entrenched in Calvinism, Calvinistic thinking. Like that was, that was the right way. That was the right theology. And of course, anybody that was not Calvinistic was wrong. <laughs> and and they were in a pretty dogmatic church. Like it was you know, like just because you're a Calvinist doesn't mean that you're you're like this, okay? But there tends to be a lot of people that get entrenched in any of these lanes, and they go so hardcore that honestly they become pretty legalistic, it's and, fanatical, uh, it's fanaticism. Yeah, yeah. They, they actually have a word for it, especially those who are initially exposed to like Calvinism. Uh, they call it the cage stage, where it's like you're you're so excited about this, and and it's like everything revolves around this, and and it, it become like Calvin becomes. It's like Jesus. I'm like, ooh, Calvin, you know. And sometimes <laughs> Calvin. Well, you know, I know Jesus said this, but the way that Calvin would have, you know, I, and and oh, and all the other Calvinists after him would have said it this way. And we just have to be, we've got to take a grain of salt with that. But anyway, he's raised up in this church, and one day he was listening to uh, Doctor William Lane Craig in a debate. And uh, if you don't know Doctor William mm-hmm. Lane Craig, incredible debater. Um, yeah. He's. He's a fun guy to listen to, and uh, he's an apologist for our faith. And so uh, he was talking to somebody. They were in a debate, and uh, this guy is listening to William Lane Craig, and he's like, this, this guy is brilliant. I remember hearing him. He's like, this guy is brilliant. He's like, he's, he's so smart. Like, I love this, this. And he said, I was assuming he's a Calvinist. <laughs> he said, because Calvinists are the smart Christians. That's what he was saying. And, um, he's like, that's what I thought. That's how I approached it. And towards the end of the debate, the uh, the moderator, I think it was, asked the uh, what would be something that would surprise that people don't know about you that would surprise them, something nice. like that. And uh, William Lane Craig said, "I believe that Calvinism is wrong or isn't biblical." This guy, whenever he heard him say something to that degree, he was like, "You know, oh my god." <laughs> I can't receive from him. Basically, like (laughs) turn off the clip, like it's done. Heresy! Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. heresy! You're a heretic. You come against my Christ. I mean, my Calvin. (laughs) (laughs) So he, uh, so this guy then goes and starts researching uh, William Lane Craig, and that's where Mm -hmm. he hears about Molinism, and because apparently William Lane Craig is a a Molinist. What was interesting is this guy starts researching and learning about Molinism. And this is a pastor, by the way, he had been preaching at this point for 10 years, teaching uh, from a Calvin, you know, five-point Calvinism, teaching it hardcore. And he ends up getting exposed to this type of mindset. And he begins to research, and he, for one year, researched. He, you can hear him say it. He's like, most days of my life. He said, some days for many hours. And he said, I was trying to research and basically refute Molinism. And show how it wasn't biblical. And he said the longer that he studied it, the more he looked at the scriptures, the more that it actually softened his heart towards like 
this has more validity than I've been giving um, uh, credit. You know, I, I haven't been open to the fact that there might be another way of seeing these scriptures. But what I was hearing in his story is something that I personally experienced too. Um, not a, around those two things, but in a lot of my theological approaches to things, it's like I used to be hardcore about something, and then you you realize, you know what? Yeah, there there's more to this than just what I've thought of. Not outside of what would be considered proper, you know, doctrine. Yeah, you've got boundaries. There's boundaries. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But there's room within those boundaries. There is. Mm-hmm. I, I know I don't want to drag this on, but I'd just like to speak to the team. But I'm going to continue even, to drag even, it on. Joel, yeah. You know, look, there is some diversity. Yeah. And it's it's actually beautiful. Yeah. I agree. Because uh, I had done, I mean, even before I came on staff, I had done so much work around what I believe and came in with a lot of those presuppositions have been challenged, enriched, inspired to think more broadly differently and man I, i'm i'm a i'm a more well-rounded you know believer in regards to the way i view the scripture in regards to the way i view life because of the men that god has put in my life and so i, th- I think i think one of the important things that w- that young person or whoever that was might take away uh from from this That's... is that man it's, it's good to be uh, not open to extremes, but right. but open to diversity of yep. thought to keep that intention. Keep that intention. Keep. Don't try to resolve it and be yeah. be the guy that's right. Absolutely, it, it, it's good to it's good to be enriched by diversity. And so yeah. I'm I'm enjoying that journey. Yeah, it's great. Look at us go. I think we did that episode fifteen. I think we did that going out with a bang. We done did that. Thing. We closed season one down. We hard. did. We did. Yeah. Big they're giant gonna need, steel door. They're going to need the summer to think about yeah, everything. We might yeah, we're going yeah. to come back in 16 and be like, we're Calvinists. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this ends. That's great. Pop I don't know. Pop. I think there's a segment we should we should think about bringing back yeah. to shut it down uh, in honor of Tim Keller, Dead Theologian, too soon? Dead Theologian. Too no, soon? I think I don't it's think respectful. so, man. I think, yeah. if we honor I think it's respectful. Oh, I think yeah. it is. Oh, yeah. we'll, so I got, I got a quote here from him that, I think it's a good one to, to kind of end on. Uh, it's at the cross, we see the worst that sin can do as humanity, of which each of us is part, crucified the Lord. So it's the worst that sin could do. But at the cross, we also see that the most can, the most that sin can do cannot thwart God's salvation. Mm-hmm. So even awesome. as bad as sin is, doesn't touch how good God is. Amen. Yeah. Great. We'll miss him. He, he's enriched. He's a gift. The body. He yeah. was, yeah. man. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. He was one of those guys that I started listening to. Uh, you know, there's a, a few teachers I started listening to uh, whenever I, I kind of began my journey of trying to deepen my, you know, my, my life and, and understanding some things. And uh, he was one of those first guys I started listening to, and I was like, wow. You know, he didn't have any flash. Humble, yeah, Man, humble. No flash. Just I'm gonna stand here and the least and amount teach. of flash possible. <laughs> possible, yeah, right. But like yeah, a tweed no. jacket with patches on, <laughs> absolutely, the, on the elbows, just, and just kind of mild mannered. Yeah, and, uh, and taught me a lot. Gave me a lot of vocabulary yeah. for my faith. Yeah, yeah. man of integrity. Yeah, you know, it's good. So, yep. yeah. Well, good season. Good, good season. Overall, good season. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, man. We'll have you on more. Yeah, we will. We'll be back in the fall. So mm. send all your questions in. You got all the time to send questions, well, backlog. comments. Dude, we're going to have so many questions. So many. It's going to be crazy. Too many, maybe. Too many. Season two, back and better than ever, unless we're not. Is that it? <laughs> unless we decide to unless we yeah. it back. <laughs> unless we shut it down. <laughs> it was nice. Yeah. While it lasted. Bye, Akandil. <laughs> <laughs>